Welcome to the Small Business Sessions powered by Zero. My name is Emma Jones, founder of Enterprise Nation, and I am very delighted that my guest here today is someone who I knew when he ran Liberty, which was an amazing agency. He's since gone on to become an author, he's an entrepreneur, he's a public speaker. So I'm very happy to welcome Sam Conniff into the studio. Sam, hello. Thank you very much indeed. It's a real, real pleasure to be here. And I equally have watched and admired you and the journey you've been on. Oh, bless your heart. So tell me, I mean, we're going to talk about your amazing book that has come out relatively recently and has been a phenomenal success. But first of all, tell us, I guess, kind of back at the beginning, a little bit about your history, starting Liberty, the journey so far. Well, you go, you go way back. My first entrepreneurial endeavour was after being kicked out of a band because I can't sing. And they made me the manager because they were my friends. And I put on a gig in a scout in Croyd and I made a couple of hundred quid. <laughs> that was it. And this was at what age? That was 15. Amazing. And then a few misspent years in Croydon putting on gigs led me to run nightclubs. And then I trained as a chef because clubs don't make any money. Uh, and then I learned to design. So then I became a designer. And then I was making flyers and then I started a flyer business and then I began a bag of flyers because I realized instead of paying one person to give out one flyer outside one club, you could pay one person to give out 20 flyers. And then it was the explosion in the nightclub industry around the end, the turn of the millennium. And we made this little thing called Don't Panic that became a very big thing. And we took over the country, every single nightclub, student union, bar, you couldn't move for one of our packs. And it was a classic startup, big warehouse no sense of where we were going <laughs> lots of cash lots of interest we were we were a fabric part of youth culture we were working with shepherd ferry and banksy when they were just emerging it was so much fun a couple of death threats and a couple of hundred grand worth of debt and i had to teach myself business to get out of that shithole um excuse me sorry we're not no, you're definitely allowed to say that i was i was still eyes wide open from the couple of death threats comment we were young and we were having so much fun and it was one of those businesses, it was just for the passion of doing something interesting. And it was such a time to be alive. The, the music that we loved was being taken seriously, but at the same time, brands were suddenly arriving in Ibiza and Glastonbury. And it was, it was so much change. And there were new, you know, fabric was opening. And I mean, just stuff was happening all over town. Um, and it was a glory to be part of it. And I was managing bands and I was just, just making it all up. And it's a world where you have to be kids. Some of the printers that we got into debt with were not making it up. Some of the record labels we got into trouble with were not making it up. So yeah, seriously death threats. Um, and seriously, a couple of hundred grand in my early 20s. And it really forced me to go, what is this and what is it all about? And the thing that I loved was the creativity and what we'd done and the, the influence that, that marketing communications had, because that's essentially what we were doing. And to trade out of it, I moved out of record labels and nightclubs and into a space of agencies and brands. And I discovered one thing, shed loads of money and people spending decent money, which wasn't what we'd been experiencing. And the second thing, all these really intelligent, bright people who were part of the world and the problems within it, who were happy with their day jobs going to work and selling shit that no one needs. The, the chewing gum agency or the chicken tonight agency or the whatever it was. And that's what the idea of liberty came from. You're either part of the problem or we're all part of the solution. And I don't want to be part of the problem, the one that we're clearly heading towards. So the idea of using the power of marketing power of brands and their influence, but to align that with social objectives. The, the challenge to myself was, is ethical marketing an oxymoron, really? And that was the genesis of Liberty, which was 17 years old this year. Wow. And I want to come back to kind of what involvement you still have in Liberty. But interestingly then, from what you said, I remember going to award evenings, one in particular, I think it was the Marketing Agencies Association. It was kind of like an amazing awards night. And Liberty 
won every award that was going, every category. It was the winner is Liberty. I mean, I was like, wow, who is this Liberty? By the end of the night, I was like, really, who is this Liberty? And what you seem to do, especially by the fact of what you've just said, that there were certain things you didn't believe in and you wanted to see, is ethical marketing a thing? You were an amazing agency, you made money, and yet you did good. So I guess you do feel that 17 years in, Liberty has proven that ethical marketing is not an oxymoron. Yeah, that, that was like, was loads of fun. And it was it was because like all the, the journeys of business, you professionalise making it up from feeling like a chancer and imposter and trying to pretend you're not doing it. You realise, oh, right, actually, this is the job. You know, I'm supposed to be good at making it up. <laughs> that means you're constantly learning, pushing and innovating, and then you get good at making it up. And then that's actually a job. But once we moved into that stage, I think we wanted the world to know what we were doing. We were seen as an anomaly and the industry didn't really rate or respect us. And the clients that came to us came more because they wanted to do good and do good work. And we were sure that we'd crack this formula. Liberty is a great big warehouse in the middle of Brixton. It looks like any other agency you've been in, more Max than the Max store, you know, exposed brick wall. It's got everything that it should have to be a marketing agency. But what it does have that nobody else has is 100 teenagers and young adults. It's been a co-working space for decade before there were co-working spaces and brilliant young people who were out of education or on their way to starting their own thing. They share our space, they share our ideas, we share our experience and that's the transaction. We exchange experience. We give them professional experiences that they're not going to get anywhere else and we get insight that no other agency or business really gets close to. Interestingly, no one's ever tried to replicate it. So what you were doing 17 years ago was ahead of its time. I think it's still ahead of its time 17 years in. I haven't necessarily seen others, the social chain in Manchester, maybe a little bit of a parallel, but kind of more focused on social media. Why do you think no one's tried to replicate the spirit of what you did? Well, I think that was one of the reasons why we started entering awards was to prove ourselves at an industry level. that The second you start saying we work with kids, it's like, you know, there's there's kind of industrial privilege. And you just see people write you off as a do-gooder and do-gooders do less good work, right? Because we're so wedded to this idea that if you're serious, you're out to make money and this is the business model that we've all been part of. And, and it's true, the, the business model of the late 20th century has by and large always been based on exploitation. And I don't mean that to criticise, but that's just the true, true observation. Throughout the late 20th century, is either exploitation of individuals, of culture, of environment, of creativity. And, and we push towards a, a model of making more money because legally that's what all business has been prescribed towards. And I think like any other great stage of evolution, through the brilliance of, of capitalist uh, evolution, there's another... You know, just like when we invented the internet, just like when we invented the steam agent, we realized that some parts of our business structures are no longer fit for purpose. It's sold, it's, you know, it's gone past its best by date, and uh, we're upgrading. And this is all part of that upgrade. So there's a lot of organizations leaning in. Our clients have begun to change over time. There are lots of young people who've gone through Liberty who come back asking for mentoring for the business they've set up. They explain that they've started a marketing agency that's going to work with young people. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Where'd you get that idea from, mate? And then they do really well and then they pitch against us and then they summon them beating us. And, you know, there's a dozen really great, really smart agencies addressing diversity, addressing youth issues. You know, look at BJ Menega and Super Academy or yeah. Shanice and Elephant Room. And, you know, great, really great. And I'd say they keep Liberty on their toes because they are brilliant. And, and yet at some point they've been through Liberty's doors and yet they're doing something of their own and, and pushing it. Um, Stephen Social Chain, I think, is a great example. He he would classically be the kind of one of the young people that have come through Liberty and, and demonstrate exactly the power that we have opened the door to of that talent that's otherwise overlooked. But I stepped out last year, and the awards similar to the ones that you were at, we won everything at with the Beamers, and the final award we won that night was 
a Grand Prix, which has never gone to an agency before. And it went to us for the change that we've made across the industry. And so the recognition of that, that it's not just other individuals that have followed, but on the whole, a recognition that a meaningful pursuit of purpose within communications can not only lead to stronger brand building and marketing objective, but also do genuine good. So the the impact that we set out to achieve was this an oxymoron mm. appears to be no it's job a, done an industry shift yeah I, love it. I was very proud to leave on on that so note. i was going to say so did you leave for that reason so was that kind of i have reached my pinnacle here i've done what i came to do now is time to do something else i set the business up when i was 24 and i at 24 you just think that 40 is like dead <laughs> so old so old and we i was so passionate and we were young we were going to set out we we're going to stand up against all this you know Gotta fucking change capitalism, right? And and that kind of naivety and ambition is really important. And and as I got older, I then used to start joking that by when I was forty, I'd have to get out of the way um, because I'd be too old uh, to run something that was so dedicated to young people. And actually, when I turned forty, it just turned out it wasn't a joke. And, <laughs> and we have some really, really strong. The new CEO is called Alex Goat. You know, she's the kind of talent that you you need to keep and recognise, and you're not going to keep and recognise unless you give her. A full Space. Dose. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has a great team behind her and they're all in their 30s and they've got such ambition for liberty and i go in there now and it's in one half i'm really proud because it's better run than it's ever been there's there's shed loads more young people there's really great really well structured thing and you're just like great excellent and then you realize that clearly fits doing a much better job than you <laughs> it's that terrible feeling of wow it continues not only to run without me but actually to prosper i think that we it's very rare that you get someone who's really understands the relationship between redundancy and success and real success is very often linked to redundancy especially if you're setting out to change something or, or, or address a problem and we might think that at the beginning but when you get close to it we are so hardwired to protect ourselves and i think you find that a lot in the charity industry you find it a lot instead of actually changing this thing let's just continue to perpetuate the the pretense of changing this thing until we need to change something else and so yeah my success in this instance and the same my business partner michelle morgan she she stepped out slightly before me but we, we both felt absolutely the same, that whilst this is hard to do. It is the best thing to do. Undoubtedly, yeah. So you're 40, you're out of a job, you've left the business, yep. and you write a book. Yes. So let us talk, Be More Pirate. You're talking a lot about it at the moment. <laughs> so I have to ask, I really do have to ask you, I had a brilliant moment. I went to speak at an event a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was for the Business Centre Association. So I was talking about small business. Anyway, the cameraman followed me out of the room and he said, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? I'm starting my own business. Uh, how can you help? Anyway, I said, you know, join Enterprise Nation, etc. I said, what about reading some books? He said, oh my goodness. He said, I am reading the most incredible book. He said, I'm a pirate. I said, you're reading Sam Conniff's Be More Pirate, aren't you? Books don't often do this, but you definitely seem to have done it. You have got people who are reading that book who have become huge pirate fans they are following what you're suggesting. Yeah. Did you expect it to be this successful? God, no, no, not at all, no. The thing that I probably enjoyed most over the last 10 years is working with young entrepreneurs, and actually not even entrepreneurs, the younger generation, and you'll know all about this, the kind of hustle generation, pre-entrepreneurs who wouldn't even designate themselves as entrepreneurs, who really represent the next wave of what's coming. And I've worked with them. We have offices in South Africa, and we have in, in Nigeria and Kenya, so I work with them in those territories. Uh, in Athens, I've done a lot of work with the reverse diaspora guys coming back to Athens to start business in the Greek economy. Um, also in Baltimore and Detroit, young people from Detroit and Illinois in, in Baltimore. Just 
where there's real change needed, where business always had a role in creating prosperity and creating social mobility and creating opportunity, not just where we've ended up often, which is just creating value for a small number of people. So I'm really interested in that space. And I knew that was kind of what I wanted to do as I transitioned out. I also knew that I needed a transitionary project because otherwise there was no way I was going to let Alex and James and, and Kate run that business. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be so like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And my advice often to entrepreneurs has been that uh, Waldo Emerson quotes that you should understand the thing that scares you most and ask yourself why you're not doing it. I've got a chip on my shoulder for not going to university. I am, you know, in the, the I can't remember what the statistic is, but I've met entrepreneurs with dyslexia. And so writing is something I've always loved, but writing a book. That's terrified you. And then find like the, the, the greater admission is I was always, I know from any, as anyone who does who's built teams, how reliant you are on the team that you've built around you. And Liberty, Don't Panic, Somewhere Too, Double Drama, all my businesses have been totally reliant on that team. And deep down, I wanted to know what would happen if I did something on myself. So, you know, have I ever had a good idea that wasn't part of that process? Or, you know, did I always rely on Callum to, you know, strengthen that thing or Michelle to be the sense in it or Kate to tell me when I was being nonsense? Um, so those things really scared me collectively. And that was what pushed me into writing. I love the fact that your dad was an author. On your One of the nicest tweets on your Twitter stream is you holding yeah. a copy of your dad's book and that you make a beautiful tweet that he, I think he'd done his um, dedication to you and you've now done it to your children, which I think is quite beautiful. So you took this fear and said, right, I'm going to take everything that I'm most scared about and realise it in the form of a book. What is the book and what do you want people to do once they've read it? So the book is a radical manifesto for change that I think has as much emphasis and energy as is required if you think of the scale of the problems that we're facing. And I mean to immediately take it to the problems we're facing. A US president operating as a tyrant, uh, a, a planet 60% over its biosphere, a proportion of wealth so completely held within a tiny minority in a stagnating um, system where the wealth is being extracted by, you know, the challenges we face, a, a society with uh, really deep social inequality where, where violence is commonplace again, you know, all these things. And for a business podcast, I'd like to capture anyone who is listening thinking that's what's that got to do with business so it's fundamentally got everything to do with business everything to do with you we all have to choose whether we in our organizations are part of that problem or part of that solution and when i say we i mean you listener you might think that this isn't our problem that there are other people in charge they aren't you know there isn't a universal strategy for this stuff it is going to come down to those who have really got their hands on the levers of change which is us at the moment the way the world is it's it's economic um advances that will make and so as we all lean into the right direction, we are responsible for those kind of solutions. So if you're just working towards next quarter's targets or this year's business objectives, then I would encourage you to widen the aperture to understand how all of our organizations fit into this ecosystem because the, the time is upon us and nobody is coming to save you. So that, that thought sticks with me. And around the world, the young entrepreneurs I've met, the young pre-entrepreneurs and hustlers, that's definitely their view on the world. I, I, I haven't yet found one in their 20s who does not view the, the world within their sights and change within their sights. And, and business is a legitimate tool for creating change because what other legitimate tools do we have? And that really inspires me. And I, I look more and more to them because, frankly, I'm devoid of inspiration anywhere else. You know, the morbidity, I've spent quite far too much time around Westminster and the smell of death there and the, the void of imagination is, is not what's required. So 
I want to champion these guys. And it's really easy to overlook. It's really easy to think, oh, these young kids, you know, and what they're doing. But actually, we need to leapfrog the traditional uh, lines of command where they might inherit power in 20 years. You know, we, didn't, we need to really, Maybe really... Maybe do it now. <laughs> we need to really reduce that. And it's not to say that you and me and, and you know, other more experienced uh, entrepreneurs have not got nothing to give. Of course we do. There's wisdom and experience and emotional intelligence and leadership that you don't get without battle scars, right? But there's, there's something faster that needs to happen. So I was started writing about them. I started writing about the shift in business. I started writing about the responsibility on business to lead change. And actually, that's a really exciting thing that can grow all of our businesses and success. And, and this, this, this moment in purpose is one of those, those defining arcs that um, Kondratev or, or any of those great economists spoke about. We are on one of those cycles. And it's, there's loads to be made from it. And I wrote the most boring book on earth. I wrote a book <laughs> called Purpose First. And it was tedious it's like a real hand-wringing tedx talk it was like you could have killed yourself and i was then speaking to some of the workshops of young entrepreneurs that i've developed all my ideas with and they were like god what's happened to you <laughs> you've gone old and boring yeah and it's because i pitched it as a business book and i'd got commissioned and and it was like, i've already got to be like a great it's like if you see any pictures of me in my 20s when i was starting liberty i'm always wearing a secondhand suit and trying to be my dad like <laughs> trying to be this this grown-up even like when i was out dancing it's like what? who's that kind of suit sweating Plus, I love the fact that it was a second-hand suit, not even a first-hand one. Always one. a second-hand yeah, suit. Yeah, exactly. I had a whole wardrobe in them. It was terrible. Um, I'm really glad social media didn't exist. <laughs> and there I was. So there I wrote this really boring business book about this stuff that I really passionately believe in. And it was in some of those sessions. I thought, what's happened to you? And then Von Callum, who I've worked with for a long time, she said, why are you talking about pirates and the usual shit you come out with? And so I started there as the metaphor. And... I started doing my research. I spent time in the British Library. I spent time at Greenwich Maritime Museum. I spent time in a number of different places. And I discovered a part of history that has been written out of the history books, true history of the Golden Age pirates as successful and strategic organizations who spoke truth to power and represented the millennials of the 18th century, doing what was seen at the time as legitimate business, even though there's some moral questions that I'm, we haven't probably got time for today, but need to be addressed. And they set out to do so in a way that was fairer and more successful and more effective than the big business of the time, the East India Company and the Royal British Navy. And in so doing, like has happened in many other type points of innovation, like the Second World War or the turn of the 19th century, these guys invented things we use today, holacracy, self-organizing teams. They had agile, uh, nimble networks, um, workplace compensation, diversity, you know, uh, fair, you know, I mean, they're ahead of the curve on so many things. And some we haven't even caught up on. They had no pay gap, you know, total transparent pay structures. So in this small period of time, nearly 40 years, the Golden Age Pirates have got so many lessons for businesses going through such disruption today. So it moved from being metaphor to midway through being manifesto. And I, I continued to test it in these circles. I was in Baltimore testing it with these amazing entrepreneurs in Athens, in, 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 in Langer, in Mamalodi. Uh, and all I got back was just this roar. You know, this is this is it. This is the kind of flag we're we're looking to get behind. And so the power of the book grew and grew, and my editors got more excited. And Penguin, we all knew that this was something potent. Um, and and so then I came out exactly in the spirit of it. You know, there's there's very little budget in books, so I fly posted my my publisher's Brilliant. office. Oh, whole full circle back to flyering. Totally, totally. I went back to the the club promoting strategies of the late 1990s. <laughs> I projected, you know, huge things against Houses of Parliament. I uh, stole my way into bookshops and replaced, you know, <laughs> took Jordan Peterson off the shelves and replaced it with my books. I stole, I, I did 
got broke into the window display of Waterstones. Everything you can possibly. <laughs> the only know. author who's ever been arrested in Waterstones trying to place his own book in the window. But as you say, it is called Be More Pirate. You have to do what it says on the cover. Exactly. And it's the spirit uh, that's best articulated by a quote in the book um, from the senator in the States, John Lewis, who who was speaking to students and he was there on the bridge in Selma. He, he, he led the marches then. He led the civil rights movement through the 60s. More recently, he led uh, representatives onto the House uh, floor to do a sit-in after another of these shooting incidents. And then speaking to students, he says, you have to find a way to get in the way. You have to stand up and speak up and speak out. It is necessary and upon you all to cause trouble, to cause good trouble. And that paradox of good trouble is exactly a better articulation than I could ever make um, of, of what we're trying to do. I love this. And Ollie Barrett, who you and I both know and love, uh, he sent an email out a couple of weeks ago where he is quite often referring to good trouble now, which he's got from you, which I do love this concept of good trouble. Final question, because we've gone way over time, but I just did not want to stop this going. With the book, I mean, you are creating a movement. People are loving it. As you say, this roar that you're getting from millennials, from entrepreneurs, from people who want to do good. If this is a movement, do you want to be the head of this movement? Really good question. I want it to be. So I've worked in marketing, right? Even though marketing with a conscience. So I am guilty as any other marketeer, any of you out there who've used the word movement when really you mean marketing campaign, you know, and have pitched a movement for some fizzy drinks or some shit that doesn't deserve a movement at all. Um, uh, and so I know enough about them to know that actually I might be onto something. I have a, I have a, a box in my email that's got now over 300 emails in there. So some of them are resignation letters. Someone's got somewhere to read the book and just, you know, you, you've, you've reminded me what's important. I've resigned, forwarding my resignation letter to that's you. Quite, that's quite a responsibility on your shoulders. That was the first one I received. and But now they're, that's it. I, I, I'm leaving my cushy corporate job. It, I, I know what I want to do. You, and, and 300 of them. Rebellions, mutinies, small revolutions. Some of them, they don't explain what they're going to do. They're just like, thank you so much for this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell you, but... <laughs> Tomorrow. And, and so if I was to summarise them all, the, the, they, they say, you have articulated a way that I've been feeling in such a sharp way, I'm now able to take action on it. Tomorrow is day one. And you and I know what day one means, right? It means change. It means significant change. So that I'm very proud of and I'm very excited about it. And it's way beyond my expectations to answer your question. No, I wasn't expecting anyone to like the book or, or even buy a book. So that, that's surprising enough for, for someone who doesn't you know, believe that they're an author yet. But that they actually, the, the day I got that first one, just, what? and now there's several. Yeah, they? they come in. Yeah. So to answer the second part of the question, uh, no, I definitely don't want to be the leader of it. I don't think it should have a leader. I think that the leaders should be those, those rebellions that come up. Um, I would park, actually, I wouldn't be able to park it. I'd have to put my ego in a box and then padlock it because, of course, I'd want to be the captain of this thing, but I don't think, I don't think that would help it work. So there's a few things that I've worked out. And actually, I'll say this out loud. If you're still listening and not running or cooking or you know, whatever you might have been doing by now, walked into work, I need some help on this. The community that's growing around it how do you let that grow and let that go? You know, where do you actually go to beyond Facebook, which is possibly the place to do it, I suppose. Um, introduce those individuals to one another and start some of them doing quite scary things. To really create change and speak power is difficult. And we all know it from an entrepreneurial point of view, but a lot of these guys are in the Navy and they're trying to create change in the, in the, in the organizations they're in or just in themselves. The best movements will have a head that you can't cut off, you know, like 
you know, that, that, so you don't end up being, you know, WikiLeaks forever tainted by Julian Assange. You know, it's, it's the Satoshi Nakamoto model where the revolution that he started with Bitcoin has no leader and therefore everyone owns a part of it and it can yeah. continue. But it's much more down that direction. We've just done some international deals. So the US rights went to bidding. Nice. Bidding wars. I mean, yeah, <laughs> look, so this is the, the shameful thing about a podcast. No one could see your eyes when you just said that. You were like, bidding war. How did this happen? <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, and I've gone with Simon and Schuster, so like the biggest publisher Lovely. in the US. I mean, completely amazing. And the, the chance, and it's just on the Russian deal. There's lots of other territories. So the chance, if it would be unusual, right? If we were business, if we were treating the book as business, it would be very unlikely that the trend that's happened here is unlikely to happen in similar markets. So it seems that on a bigger market, perhaps a bigger rebellion is going to take place. So we've got a few months to work this out. And then how do you make Connect them the greatest to each collective other. power out of it? Keep me out of it. Let the book be the flag and let some of them rise up and, and lead within it. That is the, the other question you were going to ask of what have I not done? Uh, I've never done, you know, the business has always been designed to the businesses I've done to, to, to give others platforms. So what, what happens next? What happens when you, you do something even bigger? You know, a business in, in theory, it's, it's a roller coaster. You hang on desperately to it until you look at how to do it and then you end up sitting in it and then you get bored and it's time to do something else. Building something else, like an actual a, a piece of culture. You know, how do you then web something together uh, and graft it onto the broader sense of culture and create change? And I've often thought of politics and education, the other levers of it, but a movement, a rebellion, you know, something truly like that. And that's what I think the world needs right now. There's resistance is not enough. Change has got got to come in our lifetime for the sake of our my daughters at least. It's <laughs> not everyone else's who's listening. There's fundamentally some great life event coming in the time frame we're in. It's you know, it's not a matter of when, uh, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So here is our moment. What are you gonna do about it? Uh, in historic times like these, uh, history has told us time and again that it's those who broke the rules that we look up to as our heroes and those who followed the rules that we view very dimly. So when the hour is upon you, are you ready to break the fucking rules? Are you ready to stand up for what you believe in? And there's a lot of things need standing up to. So that excites me a great deal. And how do we prepare for it? Sam Conniff, I'm ending it there. That was absolutely incredible. He's had death threats. He's an entrepreneur. <laughs> he is now about to lead the rebellion. I just love it. I would so love you back on again in six months' time. I love the fact we're talking about rebellion just as sirens come round the corner of Whitechapel High Street. It seems incredibly timely. Sam Conniff, thank you so much for your time today. That was incredibly inspiring. Thanks. That was the Small Business Sessions from Enterprise Nation powered by Zero. Go to enterprisenation.com forward slash podcast to find out more. And big thanks to audio and podcast production service Podraffy for producing this show. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and please do leave a review. See you next time.